welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who made of the abbot St. Bernard a man consumed with zeal for your house and a light shining and burning in your church, grant through his intercession that we may be on fire with the same spirit and walk always as children of light. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord was addressed to me as follows. I mean to display the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will learn that I am the Lord. It is the Lord who speaks when I display my holiness for your sake before their eyes. Then I am going to take you from among the nations and gather you together from all the foreign countries, and bring you home to your own land. I shall pour clean water over you, and you will be cleansed. I shall cleanse you of all your defilement and all your idols. I shall give you a new heart, and put a new spirit in you. I shall remove the heart of stone from your bodies, and give you a heart of flesh instead. I shall put my spirit in you, and make you keep my laws, and sincerely respect my observances. You will live in the land which I gave your ancestors. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. A pure heart create for me, O God. Put a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, nor deprive me of your Holy Spirit. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. Give me again the joy of your help. With a spirit of fervor, sustain me, that I may teach transgressors your ways, and sinners may return to you. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. For in sacrifice you take no delight. Burnt offering from me you would refuse. My sacrifice, a contrite spirit. A humbled contrite heart you will not spurn. 
I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. Alleluia, alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus began to speak to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a feast for his son's wedding. He sent his servants to call those who had been invited, but they would not come. Next, he sent some more servants. Tell those who have been invited, he said, that I have my banquet all prepared, my oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, everything is ready, come to the wedding. But they were not interested. One went off to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was furious. He dispatched his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burnt their town. Then he said to his servants, The wedding day is ready, but as those who were invited proved to be unworthy, go to the crossroads in the town and invite everyone you can find to the wedding. So these servants went out onto the roads and collected together everyone they could find, bad and good alike. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to look at the guests, he noticed one man who was not wearing a wedding garment. And he said to him, How did you get in here, my friend, without a wedding garment? And the man was silent. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him out into the dark, where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we've hit a pretty significant turning point in the uh, book of the prophet Ezekiel. Um, so you know, let's let's just quickly recap and see where we've come from. See, Ezekiel, if you remember, was um, a prophet who was taken into exile in Babylon early. You know, the first attack of the Babylonians against uh, Jerusalem, Ezekiel got deported uh, and he's in, you know, kind of a, a refugee camp, I suppose, um, on the river Kabar. And, uh, you know, that's when he begins prophesying. And the word is, you got to be faithful to God. You pledged yourself in covenant to him, so be faithful to the covenant. And, you know, if you remember, the reality of being in covenant with God means that, you know, you belong to him. He belongs to you, that you're in this mutual relationship of belonging. In other words, if you break the covenant, what do you lose? You lose yourself. If I cut the relationship I have with God and I've given myself to God, I lose me. And that's what Israel's been doing. They've been defiling themselves and the temple with their idolatry. They've taken on the practices of their neighbours. And so the thrust of these prophecies of Ezekiel is, look, look, turn back to God, repent, or else something worse is going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come back and they are going to destroy Jerusalem and, more significantly, destroy the temple in Jerusalem. 
And the vision then that Ezekiel gets is of the glory of the Lord. So this kind of um, manifestation of God's holy presence, that the glory of the Lord will leave the temple. Um, and if you remember, you know, we saw this vision of the glory of the Lord leaving the east gate of the temple, going through the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives and east, out into the desert, out towards Babylon, which is kind of shocking, right? Because remember, Ezekiel's in Babylon. Uh, and, you know, Ezekiel having a vision of the glory of the Lord is like, Lord, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Jerusalem. Well, no, no, I've, I've left Jerusalem because the idolatry going on in the temple is a sign that, you know, it just really isn't God's home. And so, you know, this is sort of this moment where God says, well, we'll have it your way then. But in the midst of that vision, right, God leaving the temple, this kind of, this kind of devastating picture of, of abandonment, um, God said this, right, remember? The Lord says, I will gather you together from the peoples. I will bring you all back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. They will come and purge it of all the horrors and the filthy practices. I will give them a single heart, and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh instead, so that they will keep my laws and respect my observances and put them into practice. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. So that was chapter 11. Uh, and, and from there, we hear further judgments, judgments on Israel, judgments on the neighboring uh, nations to Israel. Uh, and then you hit chapter 33. Uh, and like that, that's where the devastating news comes to Ezekiel. One of the survivors comes from the siege of Jerusalem and informs them all, it's gone. You know, Jerusalem's gone. The temple, it, it's gone. You can imagine what that must have been like for the exiles. Um, suddenly finding out that there's actually no home to go back to. This place, Babylon, <laughs> might actually just be home now. But worse than that, where's God gone? Well, if you remember... Chapter 11, you know, the, the vision is of, of God's glory going out eastwards, you know, in, in the direction of Babylon. Uh, and that we had that prophecy then that God would gather his people from the nations and that he would remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, give them a heart that would make it possible for them to be obedient to God and to love him. Well, that's where we're at now in the first reading. We get to chapter 36, and basically that, that first promise that's given in chapter 11, it, it gets expanded now. It gets expounded upon. Look, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a remnant, and I'm going to bring them back. We heard yesterday uh, this kind of stinging critique of the shepherds of Israel. You know, those who couldn't lead the flock, those who couldn't hold them together, gather them, feed them, bind up the wounded. And search out the lost. That Israel would receive a new shepherd. That Israel would receive a new leader 
who would do what none of them have ever done before, which is bring them into one. And now we see this this further promise now, that God will gather his people from the nations, that he will cleanse them in water, and that he will give them a new heart and a new spirit. Removing the heart of stone, removing that which had hardened them against God, which had turned them toward idolatry, and instead give them a heart that is capable of love and of obedience. This uh, little passage that we have for the first reading, it finishes like this, and I mean, put yourself in the shoes of the exiles um, and, and imagine what this line must have meant to them. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Now, this prophecy from Ezekiel, this, this word of the Lord that is spoken to them, reminds them that God hasn't abandoned them. He, ha- he hasn't turned his back on the covenant, even though they have. There's no question that God has given them over to the consequences of their idolatry, but it's not forever. So the prophecy here kind of works on two levels. On the one hand, it speaks to the um, historical context that, that Israel's now living in. It, you know, this prophecy is for those in Babylon, you know, those in exile, that God will gather them together and then bring them back to the land that was promised to them, to the land of Israel. But that's only just on the surface. Because the promises which God makes here come to their fulfillment in Christ. Because what's the true exile? The true exile isn't modern-day Iraq. It's not Babylon. The true exile is our distance from God, which is sin. Our distance from God, which is death. That's where we're stuck. And we're there because of our own unfaithfulness, because, you know, we've turned our backs on God, who is the source of life. Um, But God has not forgotten his covenant. In fact, he has sent his son to establish a new covenant. A new means by which we are his people and he is our God. That the Lord has come, the Lord Jesus has come to gather us from where we were scattered to gather us by means of pouring clean water over us, a cleansing water which heals us, which washes away our sinfulness. You know, baptism maybe. That he will give us a new heart and put a new spirit in us, that he will pour his spirit in us, the Holy Spirit, that most precious of gifts poured out into us, in the sacrament of baptism, strengthened in us in confirmation, that he will remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh instead and confer on us a new promised land. Not a geographical place, but truly being drawn into the dwelling place of God, the real temple, the true temple, the temple which is the body of Christ, drawn into him, into communion with him. Now we can see that that first expression is found in the Eucharist, 
that come to its fulfilment in eternal life. That's the real promised land. God shows himself to be the one who really does keep his promises and exceeds our expectations. Who would have thought that in God's plan, this is how he would fulfill his promise, that he would be our God and we would be his people? At the Saviour's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.